0: Welcome to All Students of Stanford Unite, the official podcast of the Associated Students of Stanford University and Stanford Student Enterprises. I'm your host, Cricket Vidalman, and today's guest is Jamie Fine, who is a fourth-year PhD student in the program for Modern Thought and Literature. Jamie is also the Director of Integrity and Honor Code Reform for the ASSU. Jamie, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: I would. Hi. It's a pleasure to meet everybody um, via virtually, I guess. This is a really awkward start, I'm sorry. Um, And I am Jamie, I'm here as the ASSU Director of Integrity and Honor Code Reform, and I'm hoping to have a chance to talk to everybody a little bit today about what our Honor Code is and what our fundamental standard is.
0: So at one point, the Honor Code was an agreement between students and faculty um, discussing how to conduct themselves fairly in classes. Would you say that's still the case, even in a virtual environment? I
1: believe that it is, but I believe in many ways what it has come to be is not the document that it was originally intended. And I think that the biggest problem that we run into is not that students don't actively wish to adhere to the honor code or that faculty members don't value the honor code, but instead that our honor code was last updated in, I believe, 1996 or 97, so well before we actually had any type of an internet presence substantially. Now, in terms of how we apply it today, this creates some complications. Um, What do we do when we have things, for example, like open tests that should include whatever resources are available, but we have internet that includes all of the answers one could ever want? Um, This obviously is creating some tensions in a number of different classes, and while the Honor Code is being looked at in depth. And reviewed and updates are going to be made here shortly um, based on recommendations from um, committees like the C10. We're not quite there yet. Um, so it has become a little bit of a bugaboo in terms of how to apply this document um, to all of the classes, all of the assessments in those classes across the school.
0: In a completely virtual learning environment, it's a lot easier for students to look up answers or collaborate on answers when it comes to any sort of assessment. We're no longer in person. So how would you define ethical conduct and ethical education in an online environment?
1: Well, I think that having an honor code is an important step in that direction. When we talk about the ethics, that can be a really broad uh, concept and set of ideas. And I think that the number one thing is that we need to make sure that our community understands what we see as the ethics of the given community we're a part of, that we're very clear about that, um, that the students buy into it, that we agree to it, um, that all community members are agreeing to it, in order to make sure that these rules, these guidelines that we create are being applied fairly across the board. You bring up some really great questions. Um, In a non-virtual environment, it's a lot easier for TAs to be present and to make sure that nobody's cheating or for um, students to look around the room because we can't proctor exams, right, and actually see if somebody is cheating and make a comment. But to be fair, there have been a number of times when those have been problematic as well, so it is a really good time for us to review this and start thinking about what ethics that are embedded in something like an honor code in 2021 might mean, so that we have something that's going to serve us going forward for the near future.
0: Well, since the honor code is an agreement between students and faculty, do you think that it's a violation of the honor code for the faculty to give, say, midterms in week nine?
1: I think on the language of the honor code, it does not violate that. Um, It's weird to call it a midterm, and it seems a little bit, just on a personal basis, a little bit unfair. Um, But as somebody who's now in my third graduate degree, I am very happy to say that other schools similarly have uh, assessments that are major assessments until fairly late into the semester, Um, and then they have a final exam, too. I don't know that they call them all midterms, though.
0: This is your third graduate degree? What have your other two been in? <laughs> um,
1: I have a Juris Doctorate. and from the University of Connecticut. I'm also a lawyer in the state of Connecticut. I'm listed as retired right now. Um, ha ha ha. And I also have a Master's in Fine Arts um, from the City College of New York with a specialty in young adult literature writing.
0: Well, since you've been to so many universities, how have the honor codes differed? between them?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to be perfectly honest and out myself right now. So I went to an undergraduate, I went to a law school, I went to another school for a master's program, and I'm here for a PhD. This is the 25th school that I have attended, and it's probably the first time that I've paid a lot of attention to things like what the honor code is. And I can tell you that in each different circumstance there is a very different climate. In some schools it was just not talked about. In other schools it's a major part of the culture of the students there and they take it very seriously. Um, In many ways It's something that can be inherent to a school, something that's talked about by the faculty members on a regular basis as they're levying different types of assessments. It can be something that's brought up by the students, talking about what the different ramifications might be for actions that they might choose to take. Right now, specifically with Stanford, I think that we're at a point where those conversations need to be happening a lot more often. Um, And especially, as you talked about before, with trying to apply a slightly dated honor code to a very virtual learning environment right now.
0: So shortly into freshman year, I had a conversation with someone uh, about the honor code, but I really haven't heard much about it since then. I think there were some articles in the Daily talking about how students had violated the Honor Code, and I think professors have briefly said, hey, don't forget to follow the Honor Code, but other than that, I really haven't had many conversations about it. Obviously, you've had more since you are the Director of Integrity and Honor Code Reform, but before that, was that your experience?
1: You know, it's really funny. As you've mentioned this, I'm trying to think about whether... I have had a faculty member actually mention the honor code in any of my graduate level classes, and I have to say that my answer is no. Um, I also cannot think of an example in any of the courses in which I've TA'd where I recall a faculty member mentioning the honor code. It has a line or a box on the syllabus, um, but it's not something that comes into conversation, and in fact, one of my biggest problems with how the honor code is being treated today in our Stanford campus is that it's not it's something that you have to sign off on having read and being willing to acknowledge and agree to basically to matriculate in your freshman year um, but after that it's really not something that becomes a big point of conversation until there's a problem and then once there's a violation you get a surprise or perhaps not so much of a surprise email saying that somebody feels you've violated it. And I feel that this is pretty unethical in terms of how that process is happening. I think that it's really unfair to assume people know information and to know how to apply information without having it be a larger conversation, which is, I think, part of what you're alluding to, the idea that we have these things that are so important that potentially guide how our entire Culture should be run in our classrooms and around our conversations on campus and yet it's just sort of assumed that we all get them, we know what they mean, we understand how to apply them, we understand what constitutes violations of them. But you know, I am older and I have been to a few different schools, many young people at Stanford do not have that experience. They are simultaneously learning the content of their courses while also learning how to be community members. If you're not already aware of how to do that and the different questions to ask so that you understand your role within that community or the different guiding documents and how they apply, it can be a real challenge to transition from living at home in potentially a completely different culture and environment to being, at least in our non-virtual years, independent on campus and trying to negotiate a different culture altogether and learn what it means to be a community member there.
0: So, technically, there's nothing saying that you even have to read the Honor Code because you just have to check a box and sign it, um, and people can do that while skimming over a lot of the content. So, what do you think is the best way to make sure that people actually read and understand the Honor Code?
1: Oh my goodness, beast on my heart, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, I, think that the, I think that there's a lot of things we need to do. Um, I'm not being shy about saying that my position with the ASSU this year is specifically to work on honor code reform and integrity, and I take integrity as a very broad statement. Um, I do think that that word is more closely associated when we talk about either academic integrity in the honor code or personal integrity in the fundamental standard. But I do think that rethinking how we see these documents in relation to our community, including the faculty, including the administration, as well as the students is really important. Part of my push this year is to try to get more faculty members to not only talk about the honor code in their courses, but to talk about how it applies to each individual assessment that they're giving. And we know um, from spring quarter that when faculty members do that, the rate of honor code violations drops to virtually nothing um, in classes. I don't think that we have a community of students who are desperately trying to cheat on exams. I do think we have people who might be inclined to cheat and they'll probably be inclined to cheat and violate the honor code, whether they are told about it by faculty members or not. But my biggest concern, I think, is for those students who end up in a weird situation for whatever reason And they're acting in a way that they think is not in violation, but which actually is. And so trying to find ways to create better awareness, to remove the uncertainty elements that are involved in this, and to teach students how to think critically and ethically about their work as community members, but also as students. So I would say faculty members need to talk about it, and they need to talk about it a lot. I would love to see more conversations among students as to what this document means. As you have pointed out in the very beginning, this was something that was drafted by students initially. It's something that students felt really strongly about. In the last 20-some, 30-some years, we've somehow stepped away from that as being something that is such a key document for the students and instead we just do exactly what you said we can skim it we can sign off on it we cannot know what it really means or how to apply it and still satisfy all of the requirements that we are we have to engage with it unless we're found in violation of it Um, and that to me is really problematic why bother having it at all if that's the only cursory attention we're going to give to it
0: so I think some people would argue that there is no such thing as an unintentional honor code violation. What do you think is a situation in which one might be unintentional?
1: Yeah, I do think that it gets difficult. Let me give you an example of one that I've heard of very recently, particularly unique to our virtual learning situation. Um, somebody was taking an online a test, so obviously it's online, um, and Under our current honor code, Google is completely available to you um, to use. And so they Googled a question that would help them. The answer would help them answer the actual exam question, which is completely legitimate. It was one piece of the larger question that they were prepared um, to work through and solve themselves. And instead, what came up was the actual answer to the exam question. This puts the student in a really awkward position um, where they should not have gotten that answer. That was not what they were trying to get. The intent was not there, and yet they have still come across the answer to this question. Now, that's not purely an honor code violation, but you could see where that could become an honor code violation. In this instance, the student notified the instructor um, that this had happened, and they were able to work something out separately. And I'm sure the instructor was quite happy to know that this was the case so they could warn other students off of that um, or revise their question accordingly. But that is one way in which students very recently have sort of stumbled into what could be an honor code violation. You're right in that we do all make decisions in terms of the actions that we take. And honestly, we have all gone to some type of schooling before coming here. And so the types of restrictions that are in our honor code should not be a huge surprise um, to anybody in terms of their coursework. I think that we see a lot of students who start getting under a lot of pressure, either because they've let work build up or because they're dealing with significant external issues um, that are impacting their productivity or their motivation or their focus, um, as well as just cultural differences where some cultures do not see things, for example, like copyright infringement copying as being the same in terms of being a violation of an honor code as we do. Um, Again, we're assuming very consistently um, national expectations from a very international body of students.
0: So you mentioned earlier that In high-pressure situations, students feel a little bit more compelled to violate the Honor Code, and I think that COVID definitely counts as a high-pressure situation. Also, it seems like Stanford wants to maintain uh, a high standard and that image of itself as an Ivy League school, just, I guess, without the Ivy. And so what do you think is a fair way to revise the Honor Code so that students don't feel so compelled to violate it in this high-pressure situation, but also so that um, Stanford can maintain a grading policy that's fair for everyone?
1: Mm, those are tough questions. Um, I think that I have sat on hours and hours and hours of committee conversations um, already so far uh, since we got into the situation earlier uh, this year and I'm gonna tell you that there's incredibly smart people who are trying to figure out the answer to this problem, faculty members far smarter than I, administrators who dedicate their lives to trying to clarify these issues for students, and there's no set, clear answer to this. It seems to be very specific to the context of a department, to the context of a faculty member's class, um, and sometimes to the type of assessment that's there. For me personally, I am at a point in my life where I would say, sure, no tests, no assessments, no grades, nothing, that would be lovely. And then we could all just focus on the love of learning that got us to Stanford. But there's a big reality that that conclusion is missing. And that is the fact that the undergrads that are at Stanford, especially, I'm not saying that grad students do not also need to think about the honor code too, we do. Um, But for the undergrads, you all are, genius-level students. You are amazing, and you're not here accidentally, not a single one of you, and every one of you is here because there is something bigger that you want to achieve, whether it be a graduate program, whether it be an, a remarkable career, whether it just be attaining your own happiness, and all all these situations, your grades might matter, and in fact they probably will matter. And so it's a little bit naive, and I do hear this occasionally, for for example some faculty members who might say why don't students just come loving to learn why would they even consider things like cheating well because it's a stressful time and right now i would argue in the midst of a pandemic it's perhaps even more stressful than ever before um, for a number of different reasons and so i think we we have to be very cautious about necessarily finding a one-size-fits-all approach to things like assessment or exact changes to the Honor Code. I can tell you that right now um, the Committee of Ten has been tasked with reviewing our Honor Code, looking at ways that they can recommend changes. Those reviews will then go to a number of other committees on campus um, and they will be reviewed by students, faculty, and staff. And the hope is that that will create a series of regulations, much like the structure of an honor code we have now, that will hopefully be clear, they will be easily applicable to unique situations of assessment, and that hopefully we will have a lot of conversation about so that students are all on the same page going forward as to what this honor code means for their work, and, and certainly they, they can follow it um, readily in light of this virtual learning that we're doing now.
0: Well, that is a very comprehensive answer for what I think everyone would agree uh, is a very uncertain time. Unfortunately, that's about all the time we have for today, and we didn't even get to the fundamental standard. Well, that'll have to wait. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Jamie.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the time, and good luck with the rest of your interviews.
0: And that was Jamie Fine, a fourth year PhD student in her third graduate program, and also the Director of Honor and Integrity for the Associated Students of Stanford University. And this has been All Students of Stanford Unite. I'm your host, Cricket Beidelman. Please send any feedback to communications at assu.stanford.edu. Thanks so much, and have a good one.